What's up, everyone? This is Hannah with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. I am a physical therapist here in Charleston, and I am the new host of this podcast. This podcast is meant to give you the correct health and fitness information, along with spreading awareness of all of the different health and fitness professionals here in Charleston. I love being able to use this podcast as a way to meet all of those around me that are trying to make the world a better place. And my mission as a PT is to educate people and to empower them to take ownership and control of their health. This is season three of the podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Healthy Charleston. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. You. Thanks so much for listening to the show. This podcast is sponsored by Made to Move Physical Therapy, and we believe that movement is medicine. If you have been dealing with pain that's preventing you from doing what you love, and if you're looking for a healthcare provider to help you meet your goals, then go to madetomovept.com slash contact us. That two is the number two. Fill out the form and reference the Healthy Charleston podcast. Listeners get 10% off their first session. On today's show, we have Kayla Fitzgerald, registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor at Locomotion Fitness and at Nutrition Rights. Kayla practices with a health at every size approach that uses intuitive eating. Kayla and I talk about the problem with labeling foods as good or bad, the role of nutrition in sleep, and how health is individual and depends on the situation. And then I asked her a ton of questions about superfoods, sugar addiction, added sugars, supplements, and nutrition for competitive athletes. We also discuss fad diets, the problem with restriction and under eating, stress, and the all-feared bagel. This was very helpful and a very informative episode. Thank you so much, Kayla. Everyone, enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Healthy Charleston Podcast. Today, I'm with Kayla Fitzgerald, registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor at Locomotion Fitness and Nutrition Rights. Welcome, Kayla. Thanks, Hannah. I'm glad to be here. Very excited to have you on. I have a lot of some very interesting questions um, that I've asked people. What would they ask a registered <laughs> dietitian? And then obviously some like legit questions. Awesome. But I'd like to start with, can you tell me a little bit about yourself, what you do, and talk a little bit more about intuitive eating? Yeah, absolutely. So I am, like you said, a registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor. I went to school at Kansas State University and then did my internship at Medical University of South Carolina, or MUSC. Um, before I even graduated, I actually got offered a job, so I graduated and started like 30 hours later. Oh, wow. No break. <laughs> no no break at all. But luckily, I was kind of in the groove, so it was easy to just hop right in. Um, And I got to train before I even started, so it was a really easy transition for a first job. Mm -hmm. So really comfortable being there. Um, So I was in the clinical world for about a year. I did mostly diabetes in gen med, um, but I also covered um, transplant, bariatric surgery, ICUs, like you name it. I was like the kid that didn't know what they wanted to be when they grew Mm. up. So I did a little bit of everything. Um, so did that for about a year. And then a colleague from Kansas state actually reached out and had moved to the area. 
and needed a registered dietitian to come work part-time. Um, and my first response was, cool, email the Dietetic Association. <laughs> and I hung up and I was like, wait a minute. Wait, that could be me. <laughs> that could be me. Um, so, you know, it was scary making the jump from the clinical world to, like, I don't have health insurance or guaranteed mm. salary or any of that. Um, but it was the best decision I ever made. It was it was a good leap of faith. Um so that is where I've, I've went after MUSC. I started working with Nutrition Rights, which is a private practice here in Charleston. Um, we see clients in person at our office in West Ashley, and we also have a HIPAA-compliant telehealth platform, so kind of a little bit of everything in terms of options. Um, at Nutrition Rights, I'm mostly seeing people for things like medical nutrition therapy, um, sports nutrition, working on intuitive eating counseling, um, just kind of a little bit of everything. And then January of last year, I was not looking for another job to add to the mix, but a job I did, yeah, a job popped up that I just had to apply for. Um, It's the job at Locomotion Fitness, and the job description was just awesome. You know, it wasn't your typical gym, dietitian, nutritionist job where it was like, we want you to write meal plans for Mm -hmm. people and help everybody just drop weight real quick with crazy fad diets. Yeah, it was all about, you know, we want someone who practices with health a health at every size approach that uses intuitive eating. And I was kind of like, I need to read this again. Like this, this is going to happen at a gym. Um, so I applied and got the job and have been there ever since. Um, and I do a lot of the same things there. It's mostly one-on-one counseling. Um, I do some like seminar sort of things. Um, but mostly it's that one-on-one counseling, kind of the same as what I'm doing at Nutrition Rights. So can you tell me, cause I feel like there's a lot of different, like if you talk about healthcare professionals that help mm-hmm. people with nutrition, there's a few different umbrellas like under that, mm-hmm. right? Or categories under the umbrella, whatever, like nutritionist. Mm -hmm. Is that a different category than registered dietitian? It is. Yeah. So, you know, there's registered dietitian, there's nutritionist, health coach, like all these different people. Yeah. So there's definitely a lot of different certifications out there. The kind of gold standard is registered dietitian. If you're seeing a registered dietitian, you know that they have been to an accredited program and got their bachelor's, soon to be master's degree is going to be the requirement. Um, You know that they have been in a supervised internship for about a year, and you know that they've passed the registered dietitian exam. So that's actually like a legally protected term. So if you were like, hey, I'm Hannah, I'm a registered dietitian, Mm -hmm. I don't know who I would tell on you to, but, you would but tell on it would be, it's yeah. a legally protected term. Whereas nutritionists, literally anybody can say they're a nutritionist. Okay. Same with a health coach. Those aren't legally protected oh. terms. Now that does not mean that like nutritionists and health coaches aren't good people to go see. Just like every dietitian is not an yeah. amazing dietitian. There are wonderful nutritionists and health coaches out there, but with a registered dietitian, you kind of know what background they have. You know, a nutritionist or a health coach might have only taken like a couple hour course or like a weekend certification or something like that. Again, a lot of wonderful ones out there, but that's kind of, that's the big difference. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of like we shorten physical therapists to PT, Mm -hmm. but so do personal trainers. And we had this whole class in PT school that was like, 
if you hear anyone saying that they're a PT and they're not a physical therapist, like you should tell on them. <laughs> I hear people all the time. They're like, yeah, I went to PT or like I'm doing PT. And I was like, oh, physical therapy. And they're like personal training. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't really care. No. Yeah. Same. But as long as you're helping people and you're like, not I doing them harm, like, yeah. Call it what you want to call if it. Except registered dietitian. Cause that is legally. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean like, so PT is a legally protected oh, term. Okay. Uh, but it's so commonly said for yeah. people that are not physical therapists. I didn't know that. Yeah. It, but it's like, I guess, I'm like, do we report you to like the association? Right? You know, like, That's I'm going to call I mean. the APTA and be like, hey, my friend who's a personal trainer <laughs> said the word PT. Like, what do we do? Right? Like, no one cares. But. Exactly. Right? But I, yeah, I definitely understand like the difference. Yeah. So can you tell me what made you start this intuitive eating route and what that philosophy looks like? Yeah, absolutely. So in my earlier days of um, private practice, a lot of what I did was like what I learned in school, like calories in calories out the like cycle yeah course. the crab cycle <laughs> love it everyone wanted me to draw pictures of it yeah no um so it was a lot of you know people logging food on my fitness pal and me saying like you, you know calculating macros and things like that and people were just like frustrated you know like some people would lose weight other people would lose it but then it wouldn't stay off and it was frustrating for me too and it wasn't like fun to come to work because you're like oh god I'm gonna have to get so and so on the scale today like what kind of session are we gonna have like it was just it was frustrating for everyone involved and so I had heard about intuitive eating and I was like all right I'll give the book a read you know do some digging read the book really resonated with me personally too you know like coming out of school learning about nutrition you learn the good foods I'm doing air quotes Mm, and the bad foods you know and Just everything you put in your body is, you know, either going to kill you or make you healthy. And it's very fear tactic and scary. So when I read that book, I realized, like, my own relationship with food was not that great. And what book was that? Um, The Intuitive Eating book. Yeah. Um, So I did a lot of kind of digging and deep diving into it and, you know, made a lot of changes just personally. And then I was like, okay, I feel ready to, like share this with the people I'm working with. Um, So I ended up getting my certification. So I'm also a certified intuitive eating counselor. So went through, I think it's probably all together 20, 30, maybe even more hours um, of additional training. Um, And there's a test and I actually got to work with one of the creators of intuitive eating. So that was really cool doing some supervision calls. So once I felt like I had a really good grasp of it, Um, I kind of just switched gears and the people that I had been working with were like, this sounds great. (laughs) Like everybody was excited. Don't get on a scale. Don't weigh it. Don't measure it. Like it really brings it back to trust and connection with your body, which is something that years of dieting can completely Mm -hmm. erode because you think, well, if I didn't lose the weight or I'm in this body that I view as, you know, unacceptable, then obviously I've done something wrong. So I need someone to tell me what to do and how much to eat and when to eat. Um, if I had a dollar for every time someone was like, just tell me what to eat and how oh much God, to I eat, know. I wouldn't even be working anymore. You wouldn't you know? need a job, yeah. Um, so that's kind of what brought that switch on. And it has been, like, I get excited to go to work now. And I get, even though the sessions can be tough, we're doing a lot of emotional digging. Um, I kind of compare it to, like, 
a diet is like a band-aid. Like it'll cover up whatever for a small amount of time, but eventually it's going to fall off and the wound is still there. Whereas what I do is kind of like, I'm dumping that peroxide on. Like it's going to burn. It's going to burn for a little bit, you know, but then it's going to be good. It's going to heal and it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be long lasting, you know? So um, it just really changed the dynamic of the sessions and people leave happy, you know, and they like want to come see me. It's not an appointment that people dread anymore. So, um, yeah, it like already starts, it already sounds like they have a healthier relationship with food when they're excited for their appointment, when they leave happy rather than it's something that they have to do because it's something they did wrong or it's a problem. It's like, almost shifting it to something they get to change. Absolutely. And there is no, like, doing it wrong. Like, what I see, what I saw a lot was you do the diet. At some point, you get off track, right? Maybe it's the weekend or it was your birthday, and you're like, well, I've completely Mm -hmm. ruined it, so I'm just, I'm done. It's that all or nothing mentality. Yeah, like, if I'm doing it, I'm doing it. If I'm not doing it, I'm not doing anything. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas with this, it's your own track. So you're never off of it. You know, if it's a day where I want to eat pizza, like, cool, I'm going to eat pizza. That is not going to destroy my health, you know, stressing out about eating the pizza and then just eating a salad and being miserable. It's probably more harmful for my health than just eating the pizza. Just so, eat the pizza. Yeah, always. So what does it look like to be a client with you? Yeah, so whenever I first meet with a client, we have um, our initial session, and that's a lot of getting to know you. So I want to hear about what your day looks like. You know, do you work from home? Do you commute? Are you in an office? What are your hours like? What's your stress level like? How are you sleeping? How are you moving your body? And of course, what are you eating and drinking throughout the day? Um, I want to hear about that relationship with food. You know, is there a big dieting history? Has your weight gone up and down? You know, what medications are you on? So we dig real deep because the difference between doing a program like a Weight Watchers or a Noom or something like that and working with a dietitian is you're getting individualized mm-hmm. recommendations as opposed to just here, this is what you do. Go and do it. Best of luck with all the millions of other people that are doing it. You know, it... it doesn't work that way. We're all individual and health is super individual. So a habit that might be considered healthy to one person Mm. might feel really unhealthy to another person. Um, So we sit down, I really get to know you. We then kind of shift to future thinking. So I want to hear what your goals are. You know, where do you want to be a couple months down the road, a year down the road? Like what does health and nutrition look like for you? Um, We'll talk about any barriers that you see getting in your way or that have gotten your way in the past. Um, And then we kind of come up with those goals and we come up with an action plan. So let's say, you know, we sit down and it's like, you don't eat any vegetables, right? And I'm like, all right, right? (laughs) I've been watching. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe I'm like, hey, like, why don't we add some veggies into lunch? I'm not just going to say, hey, add some veggies into lunch, be on your way. I'm going to ask, you know, what veggies do you Mm -hmm. like? You know, are these things that you're going to have to prep ahead of time? Or is it like baby carrots that you can just kind of throw in? all right, well, make sure you add that to the grocery list. Like, sit down and make sure you're planning that out and that you have it available. So we come up with a really concrete and specific plan so that you're not going home trying to be like, well, I don't know how to do that. Um, We make sure that, you know, you kind of have everything you need. I think we, or maybe, you know, we used to assume 
that everyone knew, like, hey, add vegetables. Easy. Mm-hmm. Easy to us, right? Because we yeah. know what that means. Yeah. And I think we assume that everyone else does. Yep. But I love that you break it down of, like, all of the steps. Like, do you need to go to the store? Mm-hmm. Do you, need, you just need to get vegetables? Yeah. And I, I think asking a registered dietitian for a meal plan is like, hey, I have knee pain. Can you give me some exercises? <laughs> yep. It's like, oh, you don't understand. Like, it has to, I love what you said, health is individual, because, like, I feel that way all the time. Like, you have to know this person Mm -hmm. in order to get them the best results, in order to tell them the things and the recommendations and to, like, almost do the teamwork with them to figure out, okay, maybe you are rushed for time, and the only way we can eat vegetables is if you have baby carrots. Yes. But then that might look completely different for the next person. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just, you know, like I said, what's healthy for one might not be, like that might not even be on someone else's radar. You know, like Mm -hmm. I've had people who eat out for every meal every day. So going down to like eating out for like one meal a day is a huge change. Mm -hmm. Whereas somebody who eats at home might look at that and be like, wow, like that's terrible. But I'm like, no, that's great. You know, they were eating out every meal every day. They made this huge change. So comparing to what your friend's doing or the person next to you, like you're not going to get the same results. And that's why working with someone individually, the same, you know, with physical therapy or like I'm a runner. So getting like a generic run plan, like it's the same as like looking up a meal plan online. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's general advice. So yeah. working with somebody one on one will give you kind of that individual and like I liked how you said team. It is. Like I'm a team with my clients, you know, like I'm there to help them with with what they need. So Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Can you tell me we talked about it a little bit, you mentioned it, and I think it's become a bigger I don't know, like talked about concept of there are no good versus bad foods. Yeah. Can we dive into that? Absolutely. So there, there's no morality associated with food, right? Like you're not better than someone else because you're eating organic or you're not better than someone else because you ate vegetables with your breakfast. Just like if you eat a frozen pizza, you're not bad, you know? Um, all foods have their place. Um, I think about like the world of sports a lot whenever I think about the good food, bad food, you know, because a lot of the things that I might eat before a run or during Mm -hmm. a run are things that are considered bad, right? Like having a handful of gummy bears, like to get some quick carbs, like, oh my God, that's sour patch kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like the night before a run, you know, it's very low fiber. There's not a whole lot of vegetables. It's like white rice, not Mm -hmm. like whole grain sort of stuff, keeping that fiber low so that the next morning there's no surprises out on the run, you know? I didn't even Uh, think about that, but it's so good to know. When, you know, like for most meals, for most people, it's like, yeah, like fiber and veggies and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. So all foods really have their place. When we look at foods as good versus bad, think about it like when you were little, you know, when your mom was like, okay, you have to eat all your vegetables to get the dessert. It makes you be like, well, these vegetables are like pretty gross. And I just like, I have to eat the gross stuff Mm -hmm. to get the good stuff. It's the same thing when we're adults. It kind of puts those foods up on a pedestal like I need to earn them or I have to deserve them or you know things like that so when we think of food as neutral 
then it's just all there. And we don't have this desire to like eat all of it because, you know, we went off the rails, so we might as well eat all the bad stuff now. Or, or like, I was really bad this weekend. Yeah. So now I have to eat really good today. Like mm-hmm. there's none of that. It's just there. Like at my house, if we are having parents hate whenever I tell them this, but at <laughs> my house when we are for having dessert with dinner, it's on the table with everything else. Like it's just there. And I don't say anything about it. There's no, like, you have to eat so many bites or finish this or finish everything. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want it, you can have it. Is it's that there. hard? Um, when I started doing it, it was a little bit tough because, of course, they were going for the dessert You're first. You're like, no, wait, no, that's <laughs> yeah. the point. Okay, yeah. yeah, so, like, I had to just kind of be like, okay. And it's okay to if you're using neutral words. You know, I'm like, hey, just think about how your body might feel. If all you ate was dessert tonight. And they're yeah. like four. And they're like, yeah. amazing. It's going to feel so good. Right? And you have to let them figure it out. Like, mm. I did. You know, there were nights where all they ate was dessert. But eventually, it got old. Because yeah. it's there. It's like anytime we get anything shiny and new. Ooh, yeah. Right? It's like, oh, I got this new car. Like, it's so exciting. It smells like a new car. And then mm. after a week, you're like, cool. There's goldfish everywhere. Yeah, and it smells like kids. And you know, soccer shoes and it's just there and we don't think about it as much. So when we take away the good and the bad and make it all neutral, it takes a lot of that like stress and anxiety and the thought process about it. And you're focused more on, like I said, how is this going to make my body feel? That should be the underlying like decision-making factor when we're deciding what to eat. Like, yeah, I could eat these French fries with cheese and bacon and some chicken wings all covered in ranch, which, by the way, is one of my favorite yeah, meals. That sounds great. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> let's do that. Um, but afterwards, I don't feel great. So, like, yeah. it's maybe like a once a month thing because I love it, but I know that this is not going to make my body feel good. And, you know, what we eat does change the way we feel. So, um, when we're using that as our our decision-making factor instead of, well, I'm going to eat the good food or I'm going to eat the bad food or whatever, it, it becomes easier. becomes a lot simpler. It's like instead of the good or the bad, which kind of takes the control and puts it, like, on the food. Yeah. It's like, how can the food serve me? Yeah, absolutely. Like, absolutely. I'm going to need this before my run because it's going to serve me here. Mm-hmm. But then if you place it in a completely different context, like, yeah. it might not serve me as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. How do you start to break that down with clients? Like, what I'm thinking about is, for some reason, along the way, the bagel got Mm -hmm. a really bad reputation. It did. And so did carbs. And, like, we can dive into that now, too. I have a lot of people who don't want to eat fruit because they think, well, carbs are bad for you. There's all this sugar in fruit. Do you realize how much sugar a banana has? Like, that's what they say. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a little different. Like, it's... Can you explain that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I actually did an Instagram post comparing bagel versus oatmeal because I had a client who was working with a personal trainer, not at Locomotion Fitness, (laughs) somewhere else, And, and she was eating a bagel in the mornings and her personal trainer was like, well, why don't you switch to oatmeal? It's just healthier. And I was kind of like... We say that a lot, but is it? Like, I really wanted to break it down scientifically, like, like what is break down the need? nutrients. Exactly. So when I broke it down, I was like, there's not that much of a difference between a whole bagel 
and oatmeal made with milk, like in terms of the nutrition composition. Um, and so I told her that and I was like, I have to create a post about this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is crazy, you know? And like you said, what does healthy even mean? And it do, it depends on the situation. That's why like this like blanket statements like bagels are bad mm-hmm. are just garbage because it's not, you know? Sure, if you maybe have diabetes and all you eat for breakfast is a whole bagel, like, yeah, that might spike your blood sugar if you're not adding some protein and some fat with it to kind of help everything digest a little bit slower. If you're someone going out for a long run, like, you don't want protein, a whole lot of protein. You don't want a whole lot of fat on that. Like, that's going to sit in your stomach. You just want a bagel. So that's why, like, blanket statements like, this food is bad, this food is good, or this is a superfood, like... Oh, my God. I I literally (laughs) wrote that down because that is, like, something that kills me. Like, when people say, like, oh, eat that, that's good for you, and they assume, like... You can do all this other shit mm-hmm. in your life, but if you eat blueberries, like, you're good. Right. It's almost like people feel like, I don't know why. Avocados, yeah. it's definitely a marketing term. Oh, for blueberries, sure. there's probably some other yeah. weird things out there. They have this, like, protective yeah. shield. The health halo, we yes. like to call it, yeah. What is that? What even is a superfood? Like, what is that from? It is literally a marketing term. Like, it is just... I wish I would have thought of that. Right. Like, stuff, you know? Like, Seriously. This is a super... Super movement. Like, a super move. <laughs> if you do this, it doesn't matter what else you do or how injured or Honestly, whatever you are. Like, that's kind of what PTs, <laughs> a lot of PTs say. Like, yeah. if you do this, it has okay. a protective response. Which is not, or preventative, which is not true. So that's, oh, yeah. It literally is just marketing. Like, there's no, I mean, you'll find lists. If you go to Google and you're like, what are the best superfoods? You'll get a list. Oh, well, I mean, like, growing up, she was like, oh, I heard, like, these were really good for my kids. Mm -hmm. I care about my kids. Yeah. Hey, like, you should eat blueberries. They're superfood. And, like, take away the good or the bad. Like, blueberries are completely, like, normal and fine thing to eat. I don't need it to be called a superfood to eat it. Yeah. And if anything sounds too good to be true, Mm. it usually is. Like, we don't, like, it's a food. Like, it doesn't have to be super for Mm. you to have permission to eat it. Like, it's okay. You can eat all the foods. There was another thing that she saw that was like, I stopped eating bananas and my health skyrocketed. And, like, I used to eat, like, two bananas a day. Like, I was working out a lot. Very easy um, and she was like, I'm nervous for you eating this. <laughs> I was like, where'd you find this information? Yeah. And it was like late night TV. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like listeners of this podcast probably hear me talk about my mom a lot. Yeah. <laughs> She's an amazing woman. <laughs> She's just a good example of like, she just sees a lot of marketing. Yeah. And a lot of like, people kind of target moms. They do. Well, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Yes. Or they will take a legitimate study, right? And pull like one tiny little thing from it. And not tell us, like, the whole story. Like, the biggest example I'm thinking of is, like, the sugar addiction studies, right? Um, How, you know, these rats were, like, they went crazy for the food, blah, blah, blah. But what they never highlight is that the rats were starved before they gave them the sugar. So anytime that there is restriction, the reward response is greater. So let's say... You know, for example, somebody who might be doing intermittent fasting, like oh, that first this. meal that they get, like that is a, definitely lighting Don't up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because your body is craving it. It needs that energy. And the more you've restricted it, the more those pathways light up. So yes, it can look the same. It can look similar, 
But we need food to survive. So you cannot actually be addicted to sugar or to any sort of food. Whenever somebody says that, to me, it's usually a big sign of not eating enough. Like, Mm. if you feel out of control Mm -hmm. around food, it's usually because you need more of it and you're not getting enough. Um, Oh, this is golden. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) When people say they're addicted to sugar, I'm like, well, if I put a tablespoon of sugar in front of you, Mm -hmm. would you eat it? And they're like, no, of course not. Well, if you were addicted to sugar... Absolutely. Like you're not addicted to sugar. Like no. We're addicted to the way, maybe. I don't to the way it makes addicted. you feel. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't, it's something you need to survive. So you can't be addicted to it as other things, like other substances. Like you like don't it's need. Required. Yeah. The, like drugs, alcohol, nicotine. Like none like of that is required. required. Oh, they're not. They're not required. <laughs> Optional. Optional, not required. <laughs> so with the statement of, Fruit is bad for you mm-hmm. because it has all the sugar. Yeah. What would you say to that? Um, I what always carbs are bad for you. Yeah, yeah, and I hear that I'm a sure. lot. Yeah. I heard it like multiple times yesterday. Um, so it's definitely something I hear a lot of. And I, you know, being a kind of secret nerd, love to break it down. You know, with science, I'm like, it's literally the fuel for mm-hmm. your body, like. We can go through our day being fueled by carbohydrates, by sugars. Like, that's what we run off of. Like it or not, that is how it works. If the body doesn't have enough sugar, it will turn other things into Into sugar sugar to make sugar to make your body run. So, like, it doesn't care if you're not eating enough. So, what does that mean? That means, hey, I'm going to break down your muscles and use those and turn them into sugar, which... Like, and I don't think anybody wants, whether you're trying to gain muscle mass or not, we start losing it, you know, in our twenties or thirties. So like volunteering it to be fuel when we can just eat Eat delicious bananas or whatever your preferred carbs are. Um, it just, it doesn't make sense because you're just fighting your body. You're breaking your own body down to use for fuel instead of giving it what it needs. So... If you like to lose muscle, um, then it might be yeah. might be a good option. But otherwise, it just, you know, the body wants sugar. Sugar, carbs, glucose. We can call it whatever we want to call exactly. it. I think carbs or glucose make people feel a little bit better than mm-hmm. saying sugar. Carbohydrates. But carbohydrates. Carbs yes. are like, oh, but carbs are bad Yeah, for yeah. Well, and it's like, think about your car, right? Like, if yes. you go outside and your car has no gas in it, you have to push it. And that sucks. That feels really, really hard. If I have gas in my car, I just get to turn the key and go. And our bodies are the same way. I mean, I have stopped workouts and, like, ran into my office oh my and grabbed an applesauce pouch, being like, I just don't feel, I feel like I need a little bit more. Yes. You know? Like, I did, um, <laughs> not this year, but the year before, I was doing Murph. Mm-hmm. And I just felt awful. Yeah. And so, like, as most people do, yeah. Doing mer- 150 <laughs> air squats in, I just walked over and I grabbed my banana and yeah. I started doing squats with a banana. Yeah. Absolutely. Normalize it. Min- I've like min- posted banana. pictures on Instagram of me being like, I'm eating like a frozen waffle while yeah. doing. <laughs> like, I'm in I got kind of hungry. Lists, like, you know? eating a bagel. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. When we switch it from, like, dieting and exercising to fueling and training, Mm. and we're focused more, again, like, it all comes back to, like, how the body feels. You know, when we're focused on that, like, I have not met a single, I've not worked with a single client who was like, you know what, I started having that snack before my workout, or, like, adding some more carbs to breakfast or whatever, and I feel worse in my workouts. Have literally never experienced that. Everyone's like, oh my god. 
feels yes, so much better, <laughs> right? I like, always equate it to like when you fill up your tank, you're not like trying to figure out the fastest way mm-hmm. to empty your tank. Yeah. It's like a lot of women are like, well, I got to go burn those yeah. calories. Yeah. No, you're like, oh, good. I can drive around for yeah. a while now. Yeah. But the way that we view, I don't know why. It's just, just like. Just get rid of them. Yeah. But like, you need them. Your body constantly needs that input. You know, a big thing I see is like being good all day. So like. Maybe you skipped breakfast, oh, and then you had a salad no. for lunch, and then you have, like, a pretty normal dinner, and then it all hell breaks loose, right? Like, you're eating everything in sight, because for the first time all day, you're sitting down. You're relaxing. Mm. You're not at work. The kids are in bed. The Netflix is on, and it's just, like, you can't fight it anymore. And I'm always like, why are we fueling up to go to bed? And then feeling mm. crappy... All day. day. Like, so so even just, like, moving some of that around, like, eating a balanced breakfast, having a substantial lunch, a substantial dinner. Again, I don't think I've ever worked with someone who was like, oh, hey, like, I eat breakfast now, and, like, I still, you know, I'm eating everything at the end of the day. Like, Like, that made it so much more even throughout the day, you know? When did starving ourselves become good? I don't know. I'm not a fan. I love food. Oh my god, yeah. Like, in this bag right here, there's probably enough food for, like, days. We're gonna like, have a I'm, like, 30 minutes from home. I'm not, you know, I'm not going anywhere, but I... Just in case. Right? I get hangry if I don't eat, so. Yeah, exactly. So, to tie it all together, like, what are... What's the difference in the banana versus... The cupcake. So, banana versus cupcake. Your cupcake is going to have added sugars. Your banana is naturally occurring sugars. Your cupcake's also going to have some of those natural sugars with the flour that it uses. Um, But obviously, we're adding a lot of sugar to, like, the batter. The frosting is basically... I know, right? Is there a good place nearby? The dime? I'm more of an icing fan, so Mm -hmm. I would just take the icing and leave the... And just eat the icing? This is why me and my husband are, like, a great pair. We went to a wedding two weekends ago, and I was like, cake time? And he was like, yeah, I'm like... You know the drill, right? You know what to do. It's <laughs> like, let me scrape all the icing off. I hate the game to put the icing in my mouth. And that is the yeah. cake. I don't know. The cake just serves as that role. Though. Yeah. I understand. But I, I just... You just need the icing. I just need the icing. But yeah, so natural sugars versus added sugars. It's not like all added sugars are bad, but just mm. in the world we live in, they're everywhere, right? They're in all of our condiments. They're in every cereal, every granola bar, every, you know, everything we eat. Has added sugars because people that make food want it to taste good. And what makes food taste good? Salt, sugar, and fat. If you're looking at a product that says like low fat, probably has added salt or probably has added sugar to make up for it. Hmm. Um, especially things like like a regular pepperoni versus a turkey pepperoni. Like a regular pepperoni is going to have a lot more fat. But if you flip the label over, you look at a turkey pepperoni, way less fat, but like double the sodium of a regular pepperoni. Interesting. So it tastes good. But yes, the difference between a banana and a cupcake is really just, you know, where those sugars are coming from, whether it's natural or whether it's added sugars. And we do want to be careful of our added sugar intake just because, like I said, it is everywhere in everything we eat. So it adds up really quickly. Um... But, you know, if you're like, hey, I just need some carbs and this is what's available. I, there's only a cupcake. I'd rather you eat the cupcake than, than eat nothing at all. Because 
if you're going to, you know, not eat anything and go hours and hours in between a meal, the next time you come to a meal, you're going to be ravenous. And it's going to be really hard to hear your body tell you that you're full and you're going to end up very likely overeating and not feeling good. So if the choice is cupcake or nothing, choose cupcake. cupcake. That is a great (laughs) post right there. Is there a difference in the way our body processes the banana versus the cupcake? So the banana is going to have more fiber in it, which means it's going to help our, our body's going to break down those sugars a little bit slower. So you're not going to see like as rapid of a spike in your blood sugar and you're not going to have as hard of a crash whenever, you know, your body's kind of coming down from that. Okay. It's more like, like a little rolling hill instead of like a a straight, yeah, exactly. Instead of a roller coaster. Whereas... Something with added sugars like the cupcake is going to spike that blood sugar and then you're going to have a really hard crash from that. It's going to go way up, way down, and it just, it doesn't feel good. That's what kind of leaves us feeling that like, oh, I'm just really tired. I could go for a nap kind of feeling. The cake coma. Yeah. So yeah, it's really the fiber that kind of helps the food, the banana digest a little bit slower and makes it just not feel quite as as painful (laughs) coming down from that sugar spike. So it's also, it seems like, not necessarily what is in it, but what's not in it. Like, I think when we view the banana versus the cupcake, we forget the, maybe like the micronutrients that we mm-hmm. get from the banana. Yeah. Even if they, like, I think I saw, you know, maybe something about like, they look the same on paper. Like, mm-hmm. let's say they both have 27 grams of carbs in them. Yeah. Well, what does the banana have that the cupcake doesn't yeah. have? And yeah. how is that serving you? Yeah, absolutely. And there's plenty of times where... It sounds like you might feel the same way. It's nice to eat a cupcake or cake or a lot of yeah. sugar and then fall asleep. Yeah. Kind of like crazy. Oh, yeah. That, like, it's yeah. not weird. No, like, I want to feel this way. Yeah. I mean, we all just, you know, depending on the day and how you feel, like, you know, sometimes people want comfort foods or sometimes mm-hmm. we like want to feel sleepy. You know, like think about Thanksgiving. Like, oh, it's coming you know, up. it is. So, yeah. like, we got like the turkey coma. Like, mm-hmm. so, yeah. Whatever decision you're making, as long as you're respecting your individual body, your individual health, is the decision you should be making. It doesn't matter what decision the person next to you or on Instagram or whatever Web is being told you Web to do. Yes. yes. <laughs> Can we talk about fad diets? Because yeah. ones that I hear very consistently recently are intermittent fasting mm-hmm. and plant-based. Mm-hmm. And I have an opinion, but I think your opinion <laughs> is way more valid and knowledgeable. Yeah. So with any diet, fad diet, you know, again, it all comes down to the individual person and what their goals are. And I always ask, is this something that you can see yourself doing forever? Because if not, what's the point? You know, unless you are like a bodybuilder or you have to make weight for like some sort of, you know, athletic thing that you're doing or whatever, what is the point of doing this short term if it's only going to be a couple months? Because as soon as you stop doing any of these fad diets, for 95% of the people, the weight comes back. Like those are the statistics of, you know, people attempting to lose weight out of 100% only about 5% of those people oh keep gosh. that weight off so long term. to start with. No. And then it hurts your metabolism. So every time you go on a diet again, like that BMR, that base calorie rate, that gets lowered because your body is like, well, hey, I'm not getting what I need. So now I'm going to, like, it reaches a point where it's like, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to make this ridiculously low amount of calories. 
work. And what happens is things that we might not notice, like our hair might start falling out or our nails might get thinner because the body has to prioritize. You know, it's like, well, you're only filling up the tank halfway. So the big things are, I got to keep that heart going. I've got to keep your lungs. You got to keep your brain. Like, so it prioritizes and we see things. Yeah. We see things happen like GI issues. A lot of that comes from like under eating because the body is prioritizing where those calories go. Which then, you know, in turn kind of lowers that base calorie rate that we need to survive. So maybe before, and I'm just throwing out random numbers, maybe before you needed, you know, 2,000 calories was like your base mm-hmm. rate, but you're, you've been eating 1,500 and your body got used to that 1,500 at some point. That's normally where we see like the plateau, right? Where it's like it, the weight loss just kind of stops. Mm-hmm. Um but the diet's over, so I'm going to go back to doing what I was doing before. Well, now you have, like, this 500-calorie mm. surplus almost. So if you start eating that 2,000 calories again, your body's like, well, hey, like, I'm running on 1,500 now. Like, we're good. We're good. We don't need that extra 500. But you're like, well, I'm hungry mm-hmm. enough to need <laughs> that 500. So it makes it really, really hard to maintain a healthy weight and to, you know, have any future weight loss. So it's... It's just a really, really vicious cycle um, that is not good for your health. It's not good for your metabolism. It's not good mentally. It just, there is nothing good that comes from going on any of the fad diets. There's none that I like. Like, zero. It's like, because <laughs> then they go to 2000 and then they gain weight and then they're like, well, I must have I gotta to diet now. again. And yep. it's just like this yeah. yo-yo. Yep. So what should people do instead of going from 1500 to 2000? Like, what should that have looked like? Well, first, you should not have gone on the diet. There we uh, go. Your first mistake. First. Um, and that's obviously easier said than done. Um, I understand that for sure. Um, but working with a registered dietitian or, you know, if you have a nutritionist or a health coach, just to kind of help you, you know, figure out it individually. Because it probably at that point will take, like, some tracking and some monitoring of, you know, like, what's body fat doing? What's muscle mass? And, like you know, just watching the body composition and whatnot. So there's not really, like, a blanket, like, yeah. general statement of, like... Wouldn't that be easy? Right? That's, like, literally Because we don't saying, know. Like, not. yeah, I mean, unless they're getting on something, like, an in-body, like, I, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to... I can't say, like, what that's done to your metabolism, so... Yeah. Um, but, yeah, never starting. <laughs> Is that... So that's the... No, I wouldn't even say risk. Like, that's the result mm-hmm. of what happens when you eat below your basal metabolic rate. Yep. Or even, like, your resting metabolic yep. rate. Yep. So is it is there still a way to be in a healthy deficit to lose weight? It just needs to look a lot different than what we're kind of told. It's just really tough, you know, because when we think about a calorie deficit for weight loss, like, we're only talking a couple hundred calories. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, a, like, this huge amount. And so how do we know if we're in a calorie deficit, right? Okay, cool. We'll use, you know, MyFitnessPal or whatever app to track. Well, that's all fine and dandy. But number one, there's inconsistencies in MyFitnessPal. Number two, we're humans. So unless we are legitimately weighing and measuring our food, if we're just eyeballing it, there's a couple hundred calories worth of mm-hmm. inconsistency. The sauce you add? Yeah. Like yeah. At my boyfriend. The stuff that you didn't think <laughs> that you ate that you really did. You know, like that handful mm-hmm. of trail mix you grabbed a couple of times throughout the day that you didn't think to log because it was just kind of, you know, you're just kind of grabbing it. 
Um, our bodies also break down food differently. So you and I could eat that same cupcake and I might absorb 100% of the calories and you might absorb 80. So if we're logging, you know, 300 calories for this cupcake, yeah. you may not have had 300 calories. Oh, why like, not? Our, it's based on Genetic. our gut microbiome, okay. genetics as well. So, you know, it's that gut microbiome is like a fingerprint basically inside of our intestines. And so just different people based on what theirs looks like will absorb different amounts of calories. So there's all these inconsistencies. Yeah, there's all these, like, it's like yeah. is it worth like trying to track, trying to weigh, trying to measure, counting every single little thing and having all of this stress to lose some weight that unless you're going to do these things forever is likely not going to stay mm-hmm. off. And that's where like intuitive eating comes in because a lot of times that weight that is unwanted has come from not a great relationship with food or it has come from years of dieting. And when Mm -hmm. you work on that, when you learn to trust your body and listen to those signals, I mean, I've worked with people where I'm like, well, what kind of foods do you like? And they're like, I don't know. You know, they're like, I just eat whatever, like, the diet plan I'm on tells me. Mm -hmm. Or I'll be like, well, what does hunger feel like? Like, what do you feel like when you're hungry? And they're like, well, I don't know. I just eat at, like, whatever times. Or, you know, what does it feel like to be full? And they're like, I don't know. I just eat whatever's on the plate. You know, like, growing up in that, you have to clean your plate to get dessert. The happy plate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, again, it's like the Band-Aid versus the (laughs) the peroxide, like, the, any any form of dieting is really just going to kind of band-aid some sort of underlying issue that's going on. So it can be done. It's just very difficult. And usually, like, the emotional and mental stress of it is not worth it. So how do people lose weight? That's tough. Yeah, it's it is very really, tough. really, really tough. Um, honestly, the best way to lose weight is to stop trying to lose weight. When we focus on that end result of, like, the weight Mm. and that's all that matters, yeah, then we're missing all the behaviors that actually improve our health. Because health does not have a size. I mean, like, look at even, like, Olympic athletes. Like, Mm -hmm. they're all different sizes and shapes and whatever. Like, I've worked with people in larger bodies and smaller bodies and whatever, and you cannot judge a book by its cover. We do because we're humans and we have eyes and that's our culture. This is health and this is not. Yeah, yeah. We see it in magazines and advertisements and whatnot that like this is, you know, there's BMI. Don't get me started. I know. Um, You know, that tell people like you're obese and it's like, no, they just have a lot of muscle mass. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Most pro athletes would be obese. Yeah. You know, so. Um, it's tough, but once you stop focusing on that end result and you start focusing on the little habits daily that will actually improve your health and you release some of that Mm. stress, like I worked with someone a couple weeks ago, it was just like, I stopped stressing about food. And then like the next time we got her on the in body, like she had gained a whole bunch of muscle mass and lost a whole lot of body fat. And I'm like, where did this, she's like, I have changed nothing with nutrition and exercise I've just stopped worrying about it and I was like wow like that like always <laughs> it amazes me and it also like extremely confirms my biases yeah and I'm, I'm like how much of weight loss well first I mean I'm sure there's probably a lot of people that are trying to lose weight who don't need to. Yeah. Who oh, have for just sure. been told for sure. that, yeah. you know, you need to be this size. Yeah. When people say they want to lose weight, like, well, why? Yeah. And then there's also the side that, 
like I know you again know a lot more about this than me, but I know there are studies and I know that the way that our bodies respond to stress Mm -hmm. are hugely based off how we perceive stress. And if I tell you this is 300 calories and this is 600 calories and they're the same, Mm -hmm. your body responds differently. So I have to believe in some way that the way we feel about food plays a huge role in weight loss and almost like the way that we're stressing about it, the way that we're hyper-focused on it. Like, is that valid at all? Yeah, absolutely. And when we're stressed, like, our cortisol levels rise. When our cortisol level rises, our body is more likely to store fat. So, like, there are scientific reasons as to why, you know, stress. So, people can be doing everything right, Mm -hmm. air quotes over here, you know, eating well, exercising, whatever. But if your stress is out of control or you're getting really poor sleep, kind of undoes a lot of the other stuff that you do. You know, if you're working out way too hard and never recovering, like all of those things play a role. So it's not when people say like the 80, 20, you know, whatever, I'm like, there are so many other pieces to the puzzle. Like, it is nowhere near 80% nutrition, and it's nowhere near 20% oh, physical activity. Yeah. Like, there are so many other pieces, and a lot of those were things that I said, like, we cover in that initial session when mm-hmm. people work with me. Like, I want to hear it all. Like, sometimes people are like, this might be TMI, and I'm like, no it's such not, thing. Like, oh, this is the, my life story. Yeah. Good. The more I know, the more I can help, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, stop trying to do it and start questioning and looking into that relationship with food and that relationship with body image. And like you said, why? Like, what is it because there's perceived benefits you think come from mm-hmm. losing weight? Or in, in our culture, there is. There's definitely thin bias, mm-hmm. fat bias. Like, all of that is going on, you know? And it's it's getting better, you know? When I flip mm-hmm. through, like, some magazines and stuff now, like, there are, like, more shapes and sizes are being represented for sure. So it's getting better. Yeah. Um, but yes, we're definitely told, you know, hey, smaller is better. And just like if we look at kind of the history of body shapes and sizes, it's probably going to change again oh in like gosh, another yeah. 10 years, you know? So is it safe to say, is it fair to say that we are fat phobic? For sure. For sure. Because we talk all the time about like 40. 40- Three or forty-six percent of our country is obese, and it's like we're so afraid of food, and we're so mm-hmm. afraid to eat, and we're so afraid to not exercise because we don't want to yeah. quote unquote get fat yeah. or be fat. Yep, and it's just like this is so deeply ingrained. Yeah. Where does this come yeah. from? And some people just are. That's their body, and it doesn't make them any less or any more than anyone else. Like we you are demonize all, it for yeah, sure. absolutely, and it is. Very much ingrained in us. I was listening to, I cannot remember which podcast it was, but I was listening to a podcast a couple months ago and it went through like movies and mm-hmm. book, like children's books. Like it was like, think about like any movie you've ever seen. Yeah. Like, what does the bad guy look like? They're bigger, right? Or they're like dumb or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, like it's never like a smaller person. Yeah. It's always a bigger person. So like, It's just been ingrained. Whether you're trying to, you know, whether you're, like, consciously having those thoughts or subconsciously. Like, they have been planted in our world. We've been brainwashed. We have. We're constantly making connections and forming relationships. Yeah. Like, whether we know it or not. Yeah. Man. Yeah. It's just, like, that... All of this really confirms the fact that 
nutrition and weight loss and weight gain, like it isn't easy and it mm-hmm. isn't simple. No. I mean, a lot of people, like I've even said in the past, like, oh, it's simple, not easy. Oh, you same. Know? I've said that before too. Eat right? less, move yeah. more. And I'm like, wait, no, no, no. Like that's actually not it. I would say the majority of people that I know that struggle probably are just not eating anything. Like they 100%. just are like, not eating enough ham yeah. for breakfast. And I'm like, what? Like that's mm-hmm. it? Yeah. But they think the less food I eat, the better. The better. But then, like I said, they all, it always comes back to that end of the day where it's like the levy breaks and like we see binge. The levy breaks. <laughs> it's like oh, food. Man. So I have some specific questions yeah. from people that I've talked to. The first one, <laughs> I was like, this is a joke. But if you were on a desert island, what one food would you bring? Pizza. That is what someone said. They're like, well, I think pizza is a great option. Do you have a favorite type of pizza? So I really like, um, like, a wood fire. Mm. Like, the nice, like, thinner, crispier. But you know what? I also love a salad DiGiorno on a Friday night when I want to Or, like, what is Newman's own? Oh, I have It's actually really good. Yeah. Because it's, like, crispy. It's covered in pepperoni. Yeah. Yeah. I add extra pepperoni sometimes, too. So, yeah. pizza, Pizza. For sure. Do you have a favorite pizza place in Charleston? I really love Coastal Crust. I still um, haven't been there. Oh my gosh. You, you gotta do, go. You don't live in Park Circle, but Locos in Park yeah, Circle. Yeah. Park pizza is so good. I've gotten salad and garlic knots from there, but I haven't got oh, the pizza. And they have so many <laughs> options too. It's but amazing. I've heard their pizza's really good. And there's a really good ice cream place up there that I need to check I out too. Been to that I one. walked back, I can't remember what it's, it's called. It's always busy. Yeah. Like I smelled it. And I was like, really? Ooh. Park Circle Creamery, Probably, maybe. Yeah. Smells really good. Okay, so I gotta good to gotta take a walk up there and get some one day. <laughs> what matters more for competitive athletes? Food timing, food quote unquote quality, and food quantity. I would say first and foremost, food quantity. If you're not eating enough, none of the other things matter. Just like mm-hmm. if you're not eating enough, like no supplement is gonna like that's fix my that question. <laughs> yes, I can't wait. So yeah, definitely number one, you have to be eating enough. That's like the number one thing I do with anyone. I take a look at, you know, we go through what a typical day looks like, whether you're an athlete or, you know, someone who does not work out or whatever, are you eating enough? And that is where I start because I'm, I can't do anything like next mm. level until you're eating enough That's the food. the base of the yeah, pyramid. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk supplements. <laughs> so this is... Something that I've, like, argued with people about, but I don't really know. I don't really know what the right answer is. Because I've heard this is the argument I hear. Why would I eat vegetables, fruit, fill in the blank? Why would I eat micronutrients if I could just take a supplement? Yeah. Doesn't that cover all my bases? But then what's on your plate? Nothing. Meat. Right? I guess, like, steak and rice, which, like, sounds great. But what is your take on supplements? Yeah. So, number one... Obviously, maybe not obviously, but number one, food is better absorbed and processed in your body. So if you're eating, you know, an orange or you're taking a vitamin C supplement, like the orange is going to do much better in your body. Like your body knows what that is. It's like, Mm -hmm. hey, I recognize this. I can process it. Whereas supplements, you know, they're man-made. So like the body doesn't recognize them. It doesn't absorb them quite as well. Um, so food first, if possible, but there are situations, you know, maybe there's an allergy or maybe like you really don't like fatty fish. There's an orange shortage. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's a shortage of everything else. So oranges are probably next or they will be like $5 an orange and supplements will be cheaper. I don't know. 
Um, so you can never out supplement a diet, right? Okay. So food first, you can't out supplement it. And then, like I said, what's on your plate? So I have had clients literally ask that same mm-hmm. question, like, Just well, I take bell. like this greens powder yes. stuff. And I'm like, but what is on your plate? Like, if you're just having, you know, your meat and your carb, like, you're still going to be hungry. So that means you're either going to eat more protein and more carbohydrates than your body actually needs, or you're going to be walking around hungry. So there's, like, this hole on the plate where, like, the vegetables or the fruits or whatever should go. So, again, you're going to be compensating by eating more carbs, mm. more protein than you need, or you're just not Gonna, you're not going to be full. You're going to be walking around hungry because you didn't eat enough because you got it in a powder. That's not going to fill you up. Oh, so no. it might provide the nutrients you need, but it's not like you, you're still going to be hungry. You're still going to mm-hmm. need food to eat. So okay, like what's not in it. Yeah. So um, what would you say for like, like what do we do about supplements then? Yeah. Because they're everywhere. Well, first of all, supplements, too, are not regulated by the FDA. So, like, if you walk into, like, pretty much any store, Mm -hmm. there could be dirt or sawdust or sand or whatever in that supplement. Like, they're not regulated. You can eat dirt, though, right? You can, yeah. I mean, there's there's minerals in there. I don't wash my mushrooms all the time. I know they're dirty. Me either. My husband hates it. He's like, like, you will eat, like, dirty lettuce. And I'm like, it's fine. It's immunity, right? There's extra vitamins and minerals on it. It's totally fine. Um, but yeah, they're not regulated. So you don't know what's out there. There are some that have been third party tested. So Mm -hmm. you can look for, um, the USP, um, label on it. Um, there are definitely brands like in Walmart and Target and CVS. I think nature, nature made, um, is one that does have that. That means that someone who is not that supplement company Mm -hmm. has tested these products and that it contains the ingredients listed in the amounts listed. If it doesn't have that certification, mm-hmm. could be anything, right? We see, okay. like, these proprietary blends, and it's like, what is even in okay. there? Like, they don't have to tell us because it's proprietary. Or they'll tell you, but they won't tell you how much. So okay, it's just kind of scary. If you're going to take a supplement, 100% talk to a dietitian, Talk to your provider. If you're taking supplements, even if you think that it's, like, supernatural and doesn't matter... Mm-hmm. Definitely let, you know, your medical provider know because even little things can have reactions with um, medications. So always, you know, make sure that anyone who has a hand in your healthcare knows what you're taking. Look for the USP seal and Mm -hmm. always try to do food first. Mm -hmm. Um, Think of supplements as like an insurance policy. Like they're kind of like backup, you know. It's not your first line of defense, but like if you need it, like. Yeah. Like, I don't use protein powder mm-hmm. if I'm eating enough protein throughout the day. Mm-hmm. I use it if I am, like, rushing and mm-hmm. I can't I can't eat that meal. Or, like, yeah. I'm not going to get enough. Absolutely. But I just wish it tasted better, too. Oh, there's some good ones out there. There are. I know. But, like, it's never my... <laughs> no. It's never it's my, not my favorite. Like, I'd rather yeah. just eat. Rather have meat. some eggs for breakfast. Yes. But if I have to, then yes, it's there. So that's exactly, like, the application okay. that I would say use it in. Like, you know... If you're in a rush or whatever and you need some protein, yes, that's an amazing way mm-hmm. to just quickly get it in. But What about a multivitamin? Again, I think of it kind of like insurance. Okay. Um, if you are someone who's eating a well-balanced like eating pattern, you don't necessarily need it. If you're someone who's like kind of picky and maybe mm-hmm. you're not eating super well-balanced, it's not going to hurt, right? Okay. Um, but it's also not like 
it's not the fix. But yeah, it's better than not doing anything. It's, okay, so it's if like you're picky, or nothing, right? Exactly, you choose cupcake. Exactly, if you're eating well balanced, don't need it, but it's not going to hurt. If you're not eating a really well balanced, well rounded sort of meals, probably a good idea. Okay, and then on that note, how can someone know if they are deficient in something? Yeah, so lab work is definitely the best way. Um, all of the different vitamin and mineral deficiencies all have different symptoms, most of which are like things that you wouldn't even bat an eye about, right? So if you're concerned or if you feel like, hey, I'm, I'm really picky, like maybe I, you know, I'm not getting everything that I need, I would definitely go get some lab work done. That's 100% the best way. That way, you know, your provider, dietitian, whoever you're working with can see where those levels are at because depending on how deficient you are is going to depend on, is going to dictate what the dosage of that vitamin or mineral supplementation might be. So definitely get some lab work done. It's not just like, oh, I've heard that this is a good supplement. I'm going to go take it. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's like a million out there. So many. And it's like, this will do this and this will do this. And you're like, well, that sounds great. Yeah. Yep. And I I will go back to what I said earlier. Like, if it sounds too good to be true, then Mm -hmm. probably is. It's also like, it's funny because let's say the supplement is vitamin C. Mm -hmm. And then what it does on the label is they're going to tell you all of the benefits Mm -hmm. of having vitamin C in your diet. But they're saying this supplement gives you the benefits. Mm -hmm. But no, it's not the supplement. It's the vitamin C. The vitamin C. Which you can get from a million other sources. Well, if we're talking about water-soluble vitamins, too, so, like, your Bs and your Cs, Mm -hmm. like, the body can only store so much of that, and the rest just comes out in our urine. So, like, the five-hour energies that have, like, 10,000% of vitamin B, like, that's just, like, an expensive little... What about the B12 shots? So, those are actually pretty legit. Those are Yeah. Because there's a difference whenever it's, like... Injected? Injected, yeah. I was like, what's the word? I have seen those, and I'm like, what is this? Yeah. And that's, like, if you don't want to take a supplement daily, then, you, you know, you just get the shot, like, every couple weeks or, you know, whatever it is, depending on the dosage. Um, but, yeah, if you are getting too much, your body just pees it, pees it out. Yeah. What about fat-soluble? So those ones you do not pee out. So those ones are more of the ones that you can kind of run that risk of having, like, an actual okay. toxicity from yeah. having too much of it. So, again, that's why lab work is important. You know, if you're taking, like, one million vitamin D, like... Well, you don't need Yeah, yeah. So, again, having, like, that, those good metrics, that good data um, to start from is always a good idea. I really tell anybody, like, over the age of 25, 30, like, yearly lab work is always a good idea. Like, I don't want you to be the person that walks in and they're like, I just found out I had diabetes, but my A1C is 18, so I've probably had it for Mm. a really, really long time. So, you know, nobody likes getting their blood work done, but... Better to know these things, you know, early on and be able to kind of keep them under control a little bit better, so. Do you have to go to a specific type of provider to get the blood work that you need? If you have, like, just a PCP or, like, for women, if you go if you go to your yearly OB appointments, mm-hmm. a lot of them um, have the capability, like, a lot of places will do the lab work, like, in-house. Other places might have to send you out to do it, but. And it will show you all this stuff? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Like, even if you're symptom-free. Yep. Or, like, what you think is symptom-free. Yeah. Like you said, I'm sure some things we just don't even really realize. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
this is like, I feel like I'm drilling you, but this is so helpful, <laughs> even just for me. And I know if it's helpful for me, like so many people listening are like, wow, this is great. Yeah. Um, red meat. Yeah. Red meat gets also a bad reputation. It does. How do we feel about red meat? So red meat is higher in saturated fat. We know that. Like mm-hmm. that is a fact. Does that mean we should never eat it? No. But it does mean that we should be, just like with the added sugars, we do need to be a little bit more mindful of how much we're eating. And it's going to be different for different people. You know, like athletes need more iron than the average person. So red meat is a really great way to get iron, you know, whereas somebody that has high blood pressure, heart disease, that sort of stuff, they're probably going to want to eat a little bit less of it. So the general recommendation is like one to two times a week to have red meat. And I absolutely think that's totally fine. Again, depending on who you are a little Mm -hmm. bit more frequently. Um, But the reason that that gets demonized is because it's so much higher in that saturated fat, which Mm -hmm. can negatively impact our cholesterol levels. Um, so there is some good reason behind, you know, mm-hmm. being cautious with it, but, you know, I don't think it's something that we need to absolutely avoid. In fact, there's no foods we should 100% avoid unless you're allergic to them or there's, like, mold growing on it or, you know, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't need those ones. No foods that are going to be, like, magical and protective shields. Yeah. And there's no foods that are going to, like, Going to kill you in your tracks. Yeah. Well, absolutely. that's good to know. We can yeah. all, like, rest a little yeah. soundly tonight. I love a good hamburger, you know? Right? A good <laughs> steak? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Absolutely. Bacon? Yes. So, on the note of sleep, mm-hmm. what role... And I feel like we could probably get deep into this, but what role <laughs> does nutrition have in sleep, specifically like pre-bed nutrition? Because I hear, don't eat before bed, mm-hmm. and then I hear, do eat before bed. And like my whoop asks me every day, did you eat close to bedtime? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know the effects that carbohydrates have on cortisol, mm-hmm. but it almost makes me feel like I shouldn't be eating before bedtime. Yeah. But I'm also assuming it's dependent on the person. Absolutely. That's like always the, it's (laughs) always the answer, but generally speaking, there's a lot of hoopla out there about, you know, you shouldn't eat after seven o'clock or whatever, you know? And it's like, well, that's dumb. What if I'm hungry after seven o'clock, you know, because my kids like to eat at like 5.30. So mm-hmm. at 9 o'clock, like, I'm ready for a little I'm snack. Ready for another one. And I'm normally running in the morning. So, like, mm-hmm. I need a little snacky before bedtime. <laughs> um, but, yeah, in general, if you – it's better to eat something before you go to bed than to go to bed hungry mm-hmm. because that's going to keep you up. That's going to impact your sleep quality, and that's going to mess with, you know, your cortisol and your ghrelin and your leptin levels and all those things that kind of affect our appetite. So if you are hungry, have something to eat before you go to bed. I usually say just think about how you're going to feel, right? Mm -hmm. Like, do you want a steak right before you go to bed? Like, that might not feel Um, great. Maybe. maybe. The answer might be yes. Sometimes. It definitely (laughs) depends on the day. Um, But in general, most people don't want something super heavy right before they go to bed, right? Like, just something light, just to kind of take the edge off. Like, the goal isn't to go to bed feeling, like, super full. It's just to, like, not feel hungry. Because I know Mm -hmm. if I laid in bed and I skipped that snack, like, I wouldn't be able to fall asleep. Um, One of my personal favorite bedtime snacks (laughs) is cereal and milk. Yes. Um, It's just light. Like, cereal for breakfast, like, just plain. Like, if I were to have a bowl of, like, Cheerios or something for breakfast, I feel like I would be full for about 15 minutes. Like, there's not Mm -hmm. a whole whole lot of calories or, like, sustenance there. But it's so perfect for just, like, taking the edge off of hunger 
at bedtime. Also, if you're using cow's milk, it has casein in it, which mm. we know is really great for sleep. So, like, it's a double whammy. Wow, I'm going to go buy Cheerios like, yeah. after this. I My weird mix Uh-oh. is I like mixing cereals. Um, I do Rice Krispies because, again, low fiber, running early in the morning. Mm. But I like a little, like, flavor, right? Yes, of course. So I do a top, a little topper of um, apple cinnamon. Oh, my gosh. This is great. I've also been known to run out of milk, and I'll use, like, the little individual chocolate milks. (laughs) From Costco and pour that on. Oh, my so milk. Rice Krispies, apple cinnamon, Cheerios, mm-hmm. and chocolate milk. Yeah. I mean, my go-to is, like, the regular milk, Delicious. but if I don't have it, like... So everyone's going to listen to this, and they're going to be like, <laughs> the thing I need to do to be healthy is eat that combination. Yes. Yes. That is it. You That's the secret. First. That's the secret, amazing. guys. For people who don't know a lot about food or a lot about, you know, what we're talking about... What would be like a piece of advice for them to maybe make a change, to alter what they're eating in a positive direction? Yeah. I would say don't overthink it. Like small changes go so, so far. Um, But in the moment, because it seems really small or it just seems kind of silly, like we don't often make it. So like don't discount the little things. Like... For example, we're both sitting here, like, with our water bottles. Oh, like, I have to be you know. so bad because yeah. I water. I do this every time I podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, like, we're sitting here with our water. I often have people who are like, you know, I just don't drink enough water. Oh, and so yeah. it's like we're talking about the day, and it's like they don't have, like, water near them. Mm-hmm. So, like, the convenience factor of, like, hey, get a water bottle. And don't just get, like, a water bottle. Like, think about, like, do you, like mine has a straw. Mm-hmm. Yours does not have a straw. Like, different people... Like different things, or like I love that the straw slice. Idea. I love the straw. Yeah. Um, like a slice of tomato and lettuce on your sandwich instead of just like meat and cheese. Like that seems pretty, you know, minuscule, right? Like what's that going to do? But think about how many slices of tomato and how many leaves of lettuce that is at the end of the year that you didn't, you weren't eating before. So like little is okay. It doesn't have to be like. This crazy big thing that we go to work and talk mm-hmm. about how we're, like, starving ourselves oh. or doing keto or whatever. Like, it's not sexy to be, like, yeah. you know, I had a really balanced meal and, like, I had a, a good walk with the family and I went to bed at a respectable time. Like, we don't want to talk about that. Right. It's not exciting. It's not sexy. But that's what gets it done. That's what improves our health over time. It's these tiny little changes and how they add up. So don't discount the little things, I think would be my biggest piece of advice. Love that. You're so right about it's not sexy or there's not it's a not. Label. We can't, we haven't found a way to label. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's intuitive eating. And yeah. Then maybe intuitive yeah. eating will be the new fab diet. And like, oh God, I hope not. Well, not like that, but like we <laughs> not have a bad way. almost like have a qualifier <laughs> yes. name or like a, a name for our diet or our, yeah. our healthy, you know, I'm doing the special K or I'm doing <laughs> oh, couch God. to 5K. Or like yeah. we always have to feel like yeah. we're taking on a project. Yeah. That it's hard and that yes. we are like making this sacrifice. Like we all, just like we always have to be busy, you know, if someone asks like, oh, how are you? Oh my God, I'm so busy. I'm like, busy. why can't we just be like... It's not exciting. If you're like, yeah, I'm good. I'm actually great. Yeah. I'm actually managing my stress levels. Right? sleeping enough. I have quality relationships. That's not exciting. I have pizza on Friday night. Yeah. People are like, shut up. (laughs) Stop talking to me. 
I work out regularly, but not yeah. too hard. Like, yeah. Moderation is not sexy. It's not. That's so funny. It's sad. You and mentioned tomatoes, and for yeah. all the people out there that think nightshades and all oh, that, God. Yeah. what would you say about that? I mean, there's definitely some research for, like, certain conditions, okay. like arthritis. Like, there is a little bit of research out there about that. But the general population, like, it's, again, like, we're, we overthink it. Like, that well, question Tom you asked earlier. Oh, my God. So why would I, I eat that? And he's we're so, 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 you know, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're very much overthink it. Like, do what works for you. Like, a tomato is very likely not going to kill you. Unless you're allergic to it. There you go. And it's also, like, it's okay if you don't like tomatoes. Yeah, you don't have to. Just like with the superfoods. Like, you don't have to like those foods. Like, you can like whatever foods you like. You don't have to like the foods that are on the list that you Google. Or, you know, the diet that you're following or whatever. Like I said, it's individual. Like... That's the cool thing about it. It makes my job harder. Yeah. I'm not just handing out a piece of paper that's like, do this and you'll be healthy. Like, everything is super individualized. Exactly. There's a reason that the the packet, the cookie cutter doesn't work. Yeah. Otherwise, we'd all be fine. Like, we would all look the same. We could all do the same thing. Yeah, great. Well, I'm just going to follow this easy thing. You wouldn't have a job. I wouldn't have a job. Unless it was individualized. With the the intuitive eating and like bringing it back kind of the tomato. I really like the concept or the philosophy behind intuitive eating because it's all about the way that you feel. Mm -hmm. Like if the tomato does not make you feel good, then like it's okay. Like if this does make you feel good, it's okay. And it's all like, how is this food going to serve me? Yep. Not how am I going to be a slave to this food? Absolutely. It gives you that freedom. Yeah. Food. So you get to decide, you know, it's not, like I said, you know, what's on this list or whatnot. Like, cause again, we could eat the same foods and feel very different. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I might be like, man, I feel really bloated. And you might be like, I feel great. I feel great. You know, yeah. and it's, it's not because you've done something wrong or I've done something wrong. Our bodies are just different. So that one size fits all approach doesn't work. And it's okay yeah. to have your own little bubble of health and nutrition. That's mm-hmm. just for you. Because it is me. Like, yeah, that is it. Yeah. It's my health. It's my I, nutrition. Yeah. I'm sure people think I'm crazy for my weird cereal combination. Insane, but like, you know what? I don't care. It works for me. And that's part of it is, like, rejecting that diet culture and saying, like, I don't really care what my mm-hmm. friends are doing or what Instagram or WebMD or whatever. Like, I'm going to do what's right for me. And if someone has a problem with it, like... I don't care, you know, I don't need to please, we don't need to please anyone else. Like it's our health. Like that's a pretty big thing. Mm -hmm. Like we should be the ones who have the say in it. So do you get any flack about like good versus bad, you know, all of those things that you're, I'm wondering if there's like, is there a fork in the road in your profession right now where some people feel like, oh, hey, guys, like, this is the way we should be going. Mm-hmm. Like, look at all this research. Look at this new way. And then there's probably people that are like, this registered dietitian just told people to eat Cheerios. Oh, yeah. And, like, freaking out. Yeah. We did, um, <laughs> I made a reel that um, we posted at Locomotion on our social that was about, like, the barely eating all day and then, like, eating yes. at nighttime. Um and something in the caption was along the lines of like, you know, find a dietitian that tells you it's okay to eat Oreos or something like that. And one person came and trolled it all up, you know, and was like, were they healthier Oreos? Like, I would never trust a dietitian that told me to eat Oreos. Yeah. 
And to which my response, or she said regular Oreos. And I said, I wouldn't trust anyone that eats regular Oreos either. I like the double stuff. There you go. (laughs) Why would I have regular when I could have more stuff? So yeah, there's definitely this, I wouldn't say it's a big divide, but there's definitely a divide. Because there's people that are like, this is the way we've always Uh done it. But there's research behind intuitive eat. Like you can't. That's the thing about nutrition. It's not someone's opinion. Like, it's yeah. science. So when people say things like, well, I shouldn't eat the banana. It has yeah. sugar in it. That's why I said my response is always science. I know. I'm like, like commenting back. Science. science. Like, it's not an opinion. Like, you can't, you cannot mm. argue with it. So, but again, you can find research to say just about anything. anything. But yeah. is it credible research is the thing. Yeah. You know, so you've got to know what you're looking for. Um... But yeah, I'm hopeful that it goes in the intuitive eating way, that that, you know, the that's the direction we're going. No, for I sure. Mean, it's, it like wouldn't... I said, I see it in my practice, I see it with my clients, like, I've seen it in myself, you know, yeah. like, the change that has made. So, I hope that that's the direction yeah. <laughs> that we keep heading. It wouldn't be as, I don't even want to say popular, but like, it wouldn't be as successful as it is if it wasn't desperately needed. Yeah. If there, mm-hmm. if a shift, like a paradigm shift in, in yeah. the way we view food wasn't needed. Yeah. So how can people reach out to you? How can they find you and how can they start working with you? Yeah. So I'm kind of all over. So you can find me <laughs> in a couple of different places. Um, I, like I said, I work at Nutrition Rights, so you can, um, find me on our website, which is just nutritionrights.com. Um, you can also follow, um, find me at Locomotion Fitness, so locomotionfit.com. Um, both of those places you can book free intros, um, so we can set up a time to chat, you know, on the phone, ask, you know, questions about services and that sort of thing. Um, I'm also on Instagram kind of on my own under intuitive athlete nutrition. Um, and that's where you'll find the fun bagel and oatmeal. Oh, and the reels. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to go troll you now. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a couple different places, but yeah, you can find me at, at those three spots. Awesome. Well, I feel like all my nutrition questions are answered and probably everyone else's. So this and some is, um, you didn't know needed answers. Like nightshades. Exactly. <laughs> so thank you so much, Kayla. This has been awesome. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head on over to Instagram. Find us at Healthy Charleston. Leave us a review on iTunes. If you ever have any topics you want us to talk about or guests you want to bring on, feel free to DM us. Otherwise, thanks again.